Welcome to Postscript. My name is Dave Severns, worship pastor at Compass Point, and with me is Pastor Paul Eastwood. How you doing, Paul? I'm doing great, man. Good Excellent. to be here again and have this conversation. It is always good to have this conversation, kind of flowing out of uh, what what happened on Sunday, hence the postscript. Um, and this week was a, was a fun one. So we're still in our letters to the Thessalonians. And this week we talked about hope in death. Uh, and we talked from this, this interesting passage, a little bit of eschatology. I think we're going to be defining some big words today, but wrestling a little bit with... Uh, you know, what do, what do we know about what's coming next? How do we find out? How do we treat the Bible? So, um, what do you want to, what do you want to give us as a recap? How was this? Actually, let me ask this. How was your journey in preparing this message for this week? What was that like? That's a great question because, so I, I, I sort of revealed something. I, I told a little bit of about my own experience and how, when I went through my ordination process, I got to the point where they said, so Paul, what happens when you die? And I yeah. froze. And the reason I froze is because there's so much information when it comes to what happens to us right after we die. What happens next? What happens next? And and so in the midst of all of that, sometimes it's easy to get confused. And mm-hmm. to be honest, this is a topic that I have known little bits and pieces about, but um, it really took writing this message, um, again, to really help me dig in. And I probably spent more time researching this message than any other, you know, than any message in the last, you know, last few months. And the mm-hmm. reason for that is the research behind it is is really digging into all of the all of the different nuances and thoughts and everything. And and I got to tell you that everything that I said on Sunday, uh, well, not everything, but there there are, there are things that I said on Sunday which we which are usually they actually carry a lot of weight. And what I mean by that is for thousands of years, people have debated some of these issues. And in a sentence, I just kind of like with a stroke of a pen, I just declared it so right. And, and, and this is part of what we do with preaching is that we have to choose the way that we're going to communicate something. And sometimes that involves, um, you know, knowing that I'm saying something that people may have different opinions on, but I think the way we share things with humility allows us to, 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 you know, to dig into these things, but to not get tied down to any particular thing. And so I think this is really relevant to the topic that we're talking about because eschatology is something that everybody cares about. Um, what happens at the end? Because I think everybody wants to know what happens when I die. I don't mean just you and I as followers of Jesus. I'm talking about your friends, family members, because it's in us. We're designed Mm -hmm. right from our core to, to recognize this hole that there is in our lives that, that we believe as Christians can only be filled by Jesus. And we believe Mm -hmm. that this, that this longing that we have that we recognize things are not right. There's this unsettledness is actually pointing to the fact that we all are longing for something more in the future. And so eschatology, as much as we would say, I don't really care about that. You do. Mm -hmm. We just think about it in a different context. And, and, and there are people who take two sides because it's confusing. Some people say Mm -hmm. this, all you need to do is trust Jesus. So forget about it. It doesn't matter. And other people would say, like, give me the books, tell me the time, look at the signs, look at the moon, mm-hmm. what's happening in the world, read it with the newspaper, figure out the prophecies. Let's make a movie. Yeah. And <laughs> and what I would say is that both of those sides are problematic. And, okay. and if you feel like you're someone who's obsessed, just relax. If you see, feel like you're someone who doesn't care, I would say start caring because it matters deeply. Because when you're standing next to someone at a grave or when you have lost someone who you love, 
your understanding of what happens in the future matters greatly. And, mm-hmm. and that's, that's what we were tackling on Sunday. Yeah. I love it. Um, so let's, I mean, let's, let's do a little bit of defining terms and kind of understanding some of these things. So I know, uh, there's, you've used the word eschatology, kind of what comes next Mm -hmm. is is how you've defined it. Um, but there's words like rapture, uh, premillennial, postmillennial, amillennial. Um, um, there's a tons of others that I'm missing right now, but like, let's, let's, let's start there. Um, what, what is the rapture? Where do we yeah. get that from? How do we, un- are there different sides to these things? Give me yeah. just, just like, how do we, how do we figure all this out and how do we care the right amount about it? Right. So a lot of what we learn comes from, um, you know, so let's just begin with the idea of eschatology is the study of end things. What happens mm. in the end? And so it usually, we we refer to things like day of the Lord and all these different, these phrases pop up in different places in our Bibles. And you can do a whole yeah. study to figure all of these things out. But the main things that we recognize is that there's a second coming of Jesus. Mm-hmm. There is a description of a millennial reign for a thousand years, this reign on earth. There is mm-hmm. the new heavens and new earth, which is the ultimate, mm-hmm. you know, end of this whole story. And mm-hmm. then there is something called the rapture. And that's associated with something that we often refer to as the tribulation. So you have this thousand year reign, you have tribulation, which is traditionally seven years of some really terrible stuff. Then you have a rapture, which means, well, that's the the idea of us being caught up with God in the clouds. It actually comes directly from this passage in First Thessalonians. Okay. And so the question that we have is, where is this thousand year reign? Is Mm -hmm. it, you know, and when does Jesus come? Does Jesus come before the thousand year reign? Does he come at the end of the thousand year reign? Does he come? um, And so that would be the the millennium. And then the other thing is the rapture. Um, Are we as Christians brought into like brought up and taken out of this world before the tribulation, after the tribulation, in the middle of the tribulation? All of those things are up for debate. And okay. so what I presented on Sunday was a premillennial view, and I would I would suggest it was a, a historic premillennial view, which means that we see right. that the church goes through the tribulation, and at the end of that period, Jesus comes again with the trumpets and the things that we heard comes, mm-hmm. and the people of God are brought to life, the dead in Christ rise, the, the those followers of Jesus are changed, and they come back to earth to reign with Jesus for a thousand years and begin the new heavens and the new earth, which is the actual, the recreation of all things um, in a positive way. And that's, and so, you know, that's it in a nutshell. And mm-hmm. I think that eschatology is interesting, and we're, we're certainly open to having more conversations about that. Um, but eschatology, like when we are focused on the what and the when and the where, um, we're missing the point because what it's always been about is the who, and that's Jesus. And to me, that's what I tried to focus in on Sunday is that, I mean, there are other religions that talk about the end, um, you know, in, and Islam has paradise and, and different, different religions have these different, you know, nirvana and, 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 and different things like that. And they're described in great detail. There's this, you know, pictures of all of these things that are all described because people always want to know, where am I going to go when I die? And when the people of God ask that question of the Apostle Paul, his answer is not, well, it looks like this and looks like this and looks like this and all that. His answer is, you will be in the presence of the Lord forever. Mm -hmm. The where is actually the presence of the Lord forever. 
you know, the who is the presence of the Lord forever. The what, you know, and so to me, I mm-hmm. think that's a really important thing and an important distinction for Christians is that is that when we think about the the end, what we think about is more of a, a relationship rather than a a time or a place or you know um, or what have you. Yeah, I, I think that's really really helpful. Paul was Paul was attempting to comfort people. Um, mm-hmm. And to kind of give them that hope. And that hope really is all about Jesus. Uh, so like I get some people um, have treated the Bible like a, uh, a secret code or a treasure map to be unlocked. Right. Um, and and frankly, it is, it is confusing trying to put all this like kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, coming reign of Jesus. How do we understand revelation? What about you know, passages about the new heavens and the new earth and Isaiah or in the old Testament prophets. How do we, how do we tie it all together? Even Jesus and hell and Gehenna and like all of these things. Um, how do we take these things seriously? And, and how do, how would you recommend that all of us start on this journey? I mean, I it's been a great journey for you prepping this sermon. Um, but you're someone with number of years of Bible training and background, yeah. Uh, and and even then, you would say it's it's been an interesting journey, and I'm sure you've still got lots to learn. What about what about someone who doesn't have that background? How can we dig in appropriately while remembering that the key is relationship with Jesus? Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of things I would say. Um, you know, and, and and I guess you know the the passage that we we're looking at says that we want to be people who grieve differently, and I okay. think that the way we face death matters to the world mm. around us and it matters to ourselves let's be frank um but i but i also think when it comes to these kinds of things i think we need to study hard with humility um and what i mean is is uh look into these things understand these things there's a there's a peanuts cartoon i believe and and i i'm going to try to describe it it was it was it, someone described it in in what i was reading um mm. preparation for sunday and the Peanuts cartoon was, you know, Charlie Brown, or no, sorry, I think it was Linus and Lucy. And Lucy came to Linus and and they were looking out a window and it was raining. And um, and she said, you know, will it ever end? And and then Linus looks and sees a rainbow. And he he replies to her that, you know, it's not going to end or it is going to end because we know that there's a promise that the rainbow tells us that, you know, that that there will never be another flood on the earth. Mm-hmm. And. Um, and then Lucy walks away kind of muttering to herself and saying, says that theology has this way of, um, of brightening our day or something like that. And mm. it's kind of a funny little, I mean, it's not really funny. I mean, peanuts isn't exactly funny, but it is sometimes thought provoking. Yeah, and, and this idea that theology actually matters a great deal. And I would say that in the church, theologians are often pushed to the side in, in, in multiple ways, people who, yeah. who really delve into theology are, are often seen from Christians as you're thinking about this too much. All you need to do is love Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then from outsiders, they're like, wow, you are way, your mind is way in the clouds and it just, you know, is, doesn't it make any sense? And so in many ways, right. theologians have been, kind of been pushed out of the church. Theology, in my opinion, and I'm a theology major, full disclosure, theology matters in the life of the church because it yeah. matters when you're standing some, with someone next to a grave. Theology matters when you are seeing someone who is struggling with something and they're asking, how do I pray about this? You know, theology matters in all of these cases. And and sometimes I think we we take it too lightly. And, and I think hmm. with something like eschatology, too many of us throw up our hands, myself included, and say, that's just too complicated. I believe that Jesus is coming again and that's enough. I would say, dig in. 
And then the question becomes, how does your theology impact the way that you're living your life? Or how does your yeah. theology impact the way that you deal with other people who are facing difficulty or struggles or whatever it happens to be? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's a really good, uh, important word. Uh, I think it's easy to feel like, um, yeah, often I, I would say, especially younger, younger people now, uh, are reacting a bit against, a select group of people who hold the truth and knowing of the truth in an unloving way and sometimes have presented it in an unloving way. And the church is not immune to that, um, but neither is any group outside of the church, right? This is not a, a new thing as we've seen in our current political climate. Um, but, but just because people abuse how they handle the truth and do it in an unloving way doesn't mean we shouldn't also seek that truth and learn how to hold it in a loving and humble way. Um, yeah, and, and I would. It's, it's hard, and and you know, I think that you're right on that, and and I think if we were to dig a little deeper, we would recognize that where where theology goes um, awry or sideways or poorly is mm -hmm. when we use it to uh, put ourselves in a position above somebody else. Okay, so if yeah. I if I am studying theology so that I feel smart or that I have answers when people have questions or so that you know people think are impressed by me or something like that we're clearly off base i think we all recognize that mm -hmm. but but theology is deeply practical it always has to be um i i often think about when i listen to somebody pray i think about the words they use what they're asking of god yeah. all of these things are deeply related to your understanding of the way that god works in the world his providence does he does he have control does he not have control is he surprised by this is he not surprised by this mm -hmm. if if theology becomes a, a kind of a a measuring stick for you to make you feel good about some you know knowledge that you have um it's not helpful but if theology yeah. changes the way you think and interact with god you know, I, I actually, my first class in theology in sort I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of rambling a bit, but my first class in theology, my very first class at Briarcrest, I got my, I got my stuff, um, you know, together and got my books and left the little place that I was staying in and went into this, you know, place in Briarcrest. I was on my own. And the prof, the first thing he said is he, he held up a cup and he said, he said, is God everywhere? And we said, yes, you know, good Bible students. God is everywhere. Yep. He's omnipresent. Is God in this coffee cup? And I stopped and thought, I don't, I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> like, and, and so that was the beginning of my journey at school. And this idea of hmm. asking questions about theology that we don't, we can't just like assume we have these, um, you know, these things buttoned down or we assume they don't matter. I think, I think having conversations and talking about things, including the end times matters hmm. a great deal, but it's the direction of where we take that information. And that's, I think, the, the essence of the message. And that's perhaps what we're talking about today is what do we do with it? What do we do with that information? How do we, how do we comfort people? Yeah. yeah and yeah. how do we, how do we make sure we've got the right motives when we go to find the information? Cause again, not ignoring it and saying it doesn't matter, isn't the right response, but you know, digging our whole lives into something and, and firming ourselves in a position um, based on a couple of verses here and there might also be dangerous. It's funny. I mean, we're, we're talking about eschatology. I just finished a book on the Trinity and it's yeah. the same kind of thing, uh, with the Trinity, right? This idea that God is three in one deeply mysterious, um, not laid out 
directly in scripture in any one place, but hinted at all over the place. And you can, you can build a pretty compelling case. Um, but most people, a lot of people, maybe not most, a lot of people would say, you know, Oh, what does it matter? Like, yeah, Jesus is what matters. And, um, no, actually these things really, really do matter. Um, where would you, okay. If, if, if someone's got questions about eschatology, um, do you have some passages or some, some places people should start and dig into? Do you have some resources? What, uh, are, are we going to, are we going to do a follow-up, uh, postscript post postscript where we, we dig into some of these things a little more? Yeah. I mean, perhaps, I mean, I, I think, you know, there's, there's Matthew 24 that talks mm-hmm. where Jesus talks about the end times there, yep. you know, obviously revelation, um, you know, revelation two talks specifically about the church being, uh, you know, avoiding the, the tribulation, mm-hmm. um, there's obviously First Thessalonians 14, there is, or four, um, sorry, chapter four. There's, you know, there, there's chapter 15 of First Corinthians. There's a lot of different places that talk about, you know, the end times and resurrected bodies and what all that looks like. I would say yeah. that, you know, a good concordance will help you get started on something like this. And I would begin with the scripture passages and then I would move to other uh, authors um, who, you know, who have, you know, who have some good things to say. One of the books I read was a a book by a guy named Brian Stiller uh, called What Happens When You When I Die. Um, uh, Brian Stiller. I thought that was pretty helpful. So there's a couple of different resources like that. But what Mm. I would say, the one thing that we know for certain, as much as we know that that in the end, it's about the presence of Jesus and it's about a relationship. Yep. I think the other thing that we know for sure is how we don't know when it's going to happen. Sure. And so if I were to to guide you away from a- any particular material, for me personally, I tend to stay away from the books that are written that say that, you know, the end of the world is going to happen at such and such a time, because what we can see right now is that this that is happening in the world is lining up perfectly with the scripture prophecy about this. And, and there's all kinds of people yeah. who write to the obscure prophecies and they and they align them with something that's happened in the future and or today mm. sorry that's happening today and what i can tell you and i think we all recognize this is that there are all kinds of people who've written those books on prof and and they have been wrong about all of these dates because yep. they've described them as this or that or i you know even in one case i know of a book that was republished under a new name when the date <laughs> was wrong and so they changed sure. the date and yep. not to say that they and and the, what I would say is I am not surprised by the obsession over the end because there is something deep and missing in us in terms of our homeness. We need yep. to be home with Jesus. And so that drives us. So I'm not surprised by this. In fact, I believe, and and this is just a personal theory of mine, but I believe that every generation believes that they're going to be the last generation. Hmm. And so what we often see is that is older generations for, and I'm going to just really just grossly sort of paint with a, a wide brush here. Yep. Often older, older generations are focused on end times because they believe that it's going to happen in the, in the, in the very near future, because they, they believe that, you know, they're, they're coming to the end of their lives and they're thinking about, you know, whether they're going to be taken home before they die or after they die. And so they start thinking about it. And a younger generation kind of feels like, oh, we got lots of time. And so I'm not even worried about that. And I think when when death is front and center in your mind, then eschatology is front and center in your mind. And I think that's been true of all of human history, um, that that we always believe. And it's a very myopic way of looking at it, right? I mean, we're, sure. yeah. we have this idea that like, you know, G, like God's whole timeline is going to end with me. 
And that's where I think yeah. the humility needs to come in. I think we need to be hmm. far more, we need to recognize that, hey, you know, this has been going on for thousands and thousands of years. And I don't know if I'm going to wake up tomorrow. Um, but what I do know is that is that there's a promise in scripture. So anyways, what I'm trying to get at is that if you're reading books that are, you know, giving you dates and, and looking at the t- signs of the times and whatever, if you're interested in that stuff, um, you know, great. But I'm just saying those aren't the places that I would go for a reliable, um, a reliable and a firm understanding of what happens next. Yeah, that's really good. Um, Paul, we're at our 20 minute mark, uh, which means that yeah. I think we need to wrap this up. Yeah. I, and this is, I mean, there's a reason why this is uh, a huge question. There's a reason why people write books on this. Um, like most things we talk about. Uh, but I, I think this has been really helpful. Um, again, just an affirmation, care about this, look in scripture for this figure, figure some of this stuff out, wrestle with it, read some stuff. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe temper that, make sure that yeah. you keep Jesus and relationship with Jesus as the end goal, always the key thing. Any other closing thoughts for us today, Paul? Yeah. And what I would say to to close is that the key in this passage is hope, right? Mm. And, and what we know very, very clearly is that what Paul was inferring is that, is that believers do not grieve um, without hope. They have hope as they grieve. Hope does not ignore grief. It recognizes the existence of it, but it it pushes in the middle of it. Hope is firmly planted in what Jesus has already done on the cross, his death and his resurrection that we get to share in. And and hope is is directly related to Jesus and his presence. And again, and I I tried to say this, and I'm trying to say this as succinctly as I possibly can, is that Paul's he was looking at the future and his confidence in the future was firmly based foundationally in what Jesus has already done. Jesus Mm. died and rose on the, on the cross. Jesus came to earth. God came to be with his people. The presence of God is a faith is, is a hope that we can be secure of the, the resurrection is a hope that we can be secure, uh, uh, sure of. And also this, the recognizing that the absence of grief is not, um, even uh, even on the page. I mean, grief comes because we're in a broken world. and But hope is the thing that pierces through all of that. And my prayer for all of us is that as we continue to think about what happens at the end, that what wells up inside of us is a hope that is like piercing right through our grief and through all of the things that we face, recognizing that there's a better future that is beautiful and by far the option that we want to be aiming our lives towards. Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you, Paul. Thank you for all your work on this one this week. Uh, I know you, you, I mean, work hard on every sermon that you put together, but I know this one was a particular labor of love uh, and joy. So thank you for reminding us of that hope this week. And thank you listeners for being here with us at PostScript. We will talk to you next week.